Welcome to Notice That, an EMDR podcast. Here, you will find discussion on all things EMDR from MDR-approved trainers and consultants, as well as some co-hosts. EMDR is an approach to the entire therapeutic journey, not just reprocessing trauma. This podcast will feature discussion on the therapeutic relationship, understanding and using the original eight-phase protocol, and what to do to bring deeper understanding to the why behind EMDR and what to do when you're stuck. This podcast is an invitation to connect and learn together about EMDR and the process of psychotherapy. We are glad that you're here. Hey guys, welcome back to Notice That, the EMDR podcast. We are super excited to be here today with a special guest that we have for an interview. So um, I was on Facebook and I am a part of several different EMDR Facebook groups just because I can't seem to get enough of it (laughs) and had seen a post that I was intrigued by and I got excited and I looked at who it was and it was Jackie Flynn and so I was like hey I like what she's saying on here and I reached out through Facebook Messenger and was like hey any chance you would ever want to do an interview and talk a little bit more and surprisingly enough she was like hey actually no who you are, what you're talking about. So (laughs) she agreed and we have Jackie here today. So Jackie, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here with you guys. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you so much. When I just heard about your kind of areas of interest when Jen was first sharing about the potential for us to like have you on the podcast, I mean, EMDR, PBT, play therapy, all of that attachment-based work, all of that is just so central to the way that we practice as well. So I was like, absolutely. Is she going to be on the show? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm excited. Yes. Those are my jams. I even, I even um, infuse it a little bit. I do um, integrate EMDR and couples therapy through the Gottman method a little bit. So he fits everywhere. Yes, that's yeah. amazing. That could be a whole other episode. Yeah. yeah. You got two hours or three hours, <laughs> yeah. right? Time. I, I could just do this all day. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jackie, for our listeners, I want to share a little bit about like your uh, the work that you do, and I'll just give a quick introduction and then let you, you know, elaborate in whatever areas feel necessary. So okay. um, Jackie is an Andrea approved consultant as well as an advanced training provider, and she's got a few different trainings, actually, and it sounds like another one coming out. Um, she also does play therapy and is a registered play therapist. And I believe you said trainer for play therapy. Is that right? Yes. Uh, a, a trainer for the association for play therapy. One of my favorite things. Amazing. Oh, great. <laughs> so really a training level expert on, in both EMDR and play therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that got us super excited is seeing one of her trainings on uh, practical applications of polyvagal theory. And that's the one that's coming out soon or the one that's already. I just taught it last Thursday for the second time. And I'll be um, speaking at the Mid-Atlantic Play Therapy Conference um, on it. So I, I just love it. I, I'm also a podcaster as well. So I have mm-hmm. an episode in the hopper waiting oh, on great. it. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I love it. And then you have a refresher course in EMGR. It looks like you, you kind of put a highlight on attachment work, neuroscience, all of that with EMDR and the refresher course as well. Yes, today was day one of the two days, like at, at the time of this recording. So um, once you learn about the polyvagal theory, you can't not have it be part Everywhere. of everything. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Mm-hmm. So uh, of course it comes out in all eight of the phases, the AIP network, the how, um, how we show up in our just therapy role in our, our other, you know, I just took an ego state training, which was amazing. Um, in every role that we, um, we, we feel in our lives that polyvagal theory can really kind of play a, uh, at least give us some explanation of like how the safety and connection apply. Beautiful. Absolutely. And then the other training I saw was eight phases of EMDR with children and adolescents integrating play therapy techniques. Yeah, that's my baby. (laughs) And that is a five-day experiential training. Is that right? Yes. Girl, we go through all eight phases. (laughs) 
It's so fun. All eight phases. That's amazing. All eight phases with play therapy. So um, we look at how to gather our um, potential targets and the resources in phase one um, through play and then the preparation through play assessment, all those procedural steps. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? Like in the sand tray and through expressive arts, through child-centered play therapy, all, all the way through, you know, the desensitization of creative cool. ways for BLS. Wow. Yes, that is amazing. And I love seeing on your website, you have a whole list of free worksheets related mm -hmm. to, I mean, that's just wonderful to get those races sources mm -hmm. out there to people. Um, so that's really neat to see that you're doing that also. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I think that's one thing, a beautiful thing I see in our EMDR community. There's a lot of generous people out there. Yourself included, like your podcast. I, I don't even know if you have an awareness of how much people love you guys, but in our local EMDR no fee study group, it's like we even like the one on the triune brain. That was the focus of our our meeting at one time. We're oh, like, be sure you listen to that before we have the group. Before and, we have the meeting, yeah, yeah, it's so cool. And then in my consultation groups, I'm like, be sure that you guys listen to the Melissa episode with the Fraser's table, yeah. and to kind of explore, you know, the options of that. So, your gifts to our EMDR community are well valued. Mm, thank you so yeah. much. It's always thank fun to you. hear that people are listening. <laughs> yes, and appreciating and making meaning of it and taking it into their practice. Yeah. Um, okay. Yes. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Well, I'm going to you to dig into the, the specifics of some of your questions of PBT. Okay. Um, for me, one of the questions I had, just with anything polyvagal theory, especially if you've been practicing for any amount of time, there was a time where you practiced before you had the awareness of PBT. Yes. And so to me, I'm so curious about what that was like for you and what the transition to PBT was like, like why mm -hmm. all of that? It's like, you don't know what you don't know. I thought I was pretty jamming before. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Yes, I'm doing pretty well. When you learn about the polyvagal theory, you look at it through different eyes. And Dr. Stephen Porges has given us such a gift through this, right? Yeah. But um, that that helped me. And I'm an SSP provider now too, mm. which I kind of use as an adjunct to the MDR sessions. Yeah. But um, Deb Dana's work has really yeah. been instrumental and influential. So uh, for example, when I am gathering potential targets in phase one history taking, I'm not just looking at the event, the car crash, the abuse, um, mm. the um, I felt third grade. Uh, I'm looking at the autonomic nervous system's response to that event. How did your life change and the before and after that goes with that? Yeah. Or for example, um, instead of just looking at potential resources, I love this about Deb Dana. I, I literally thought I was going to be able to meet her at the psychotherapy networker and then COVID happened. I didn't get to oh, know. No. <laughs> but she came up with a glimmers concept. Yeah. I love it. That has resources written all over it. Absolutely. Hey, before we get started today, let's think of a glimmer. Let's just roll back the past seven days. What are two or three glimmers that's happened? Yeah. Ooh, talk about building up. You won't wait. One of my trainers from my basic training, Linda Ruff, brilliant lady. She's like, you want way more good stuff than tough stuff. Mm -hmm. So at the beginning of each each session, I I really look at the glimmers. Um, we we do the breath work, which is another part of polyvagal mm -hmm. theory, able to kind of change the state of the autonomic nervous system. Phase two, they know their states. They don't shame their states. They don't mm -hmm. think, gosh, I was in dorsal vagal and I just, I'm really, I really suck this week. There's yeah. that, that shifts. It's more of like, I was in dorsal vagal. What did my autonomic nervous system need? And how can I shift that into sympathetic? And then ultimately, you know, whatever, whatever my nervous system needs at that time and not seeing one state is good or bad or right or wrong. This is just where we are in our nervous yeah. system is like adapting to what's happening to us. Yeah. It's just a few things has changed. Yeah. I think there's a lot of just excitement that I, I feel myself wanting to just like run into talking about the specifics of each kind of component of PBT within the eight phases. Um, but I, I, I do, if you're comfortable sharing, I wanna hear a little bit about like, what was your practice like before PBT and how did that then kind of show up in all of what the trainings you're offering now, like play therapy and PBT and EMDR, like 
why all of those together? What was your kind of lead up to that? So I actually see it in like my videos and stuff, my training videos. I'm, I see the difference almost like a, if it was like a reality like a time lapse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, this is the before and this is the after. So um, before I, um, I, one big thing I think I, I, I have always held is fidelity. Imdria has just given us such a beautiful gift with the Imdria definition. But when I first started out working with children, I wasn't sure that I was doing it with fidelity. I was like, man, this person's only four years old and I feel like I'm chasing them around. They don't even want to touch the buzzers. So (laughs) it can get complicated with kids. So I made it my mission to every day. I read the Imdria definition and I would look at it when I did my documentation after the sessions. Mm. And I was like, this is kind of dense. So I need to put it into goals. So beforehand, I was making sure I was meeting the goals and I was really hitting the fidelity, but I was very kind of, I was rigid as a play therapist can be with rigidity, like, okay, this says I need to do this and I need to do that. Well, mm-hmm. if we're, if, if the target is that accident, we're going to bring up the target. I'm going to have the toys and have, you know, maybe more adult clients and kid clients, but we're going to specifically talk about the event. Now my shift is we're going to talk. Okay. So that happened. Let's talk about how's that set in your nervous system. Mm-hmm. Let's look at one thing that Deb Dana brings to us so beautifully is mapping the nervous system mm-hmm. out, looking mm-hmm. at, okay, dorsal, sympathetic, and ventral. Let's think about like that and how your nervous system is responding and making the um, somatic pieces and um, the experiential piece of your nervous system, more of the focus rather than the actual event. That's just one of the many ways, I think. Yeah. You know, as you're talking about this, I think I relate a lot to that and seeing my nature to lean towards the fidelity and the protocol and the scripts and then finding, oh my gosh, how much that can be enhanced when we add new lenses in which we look at it. So we can still be, you know, really staying true to understanding the the foundations of EMDR and what it's doing. But when we can add, we don't just have to be distracted in what was the event of the trauma, but how did your system then respond to that is actually where the information lies, the most significant information is. That that's what matters. It doesn't, well, it does matter that it happened, but we're sitting there with the client and they're having this experience in their organism. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what we're changing. Mm-hmm. So another big thing, and this is this kind of unconventional, but when you meet a, like a, a play therapist, you see like some strange things. We all had a conference <laughs> and it's like, you see like some people that might be categorized as kind of a little bit weird, but yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we embrace it, embrace it. But one thing that changed after the polyvagal theory um, for me was integrating nature. Mm. Nature is a big regulator. Nature is a big part of kind of that connectivity, that safety. So now I offer these um, intensives. I live by the beach. So people um, come, not like a ton of people. I'm hoping to grow that part of my practice, but I've I've done several um, over time where um, we will do an intensive two or three hour session. I guess that would be like an extended session on the beach. And we will, and I have a recording of it that I show my training. Some people are like, what am I looking at? So (laughs) we set up the procedural steps, like all, you know, it's supposed we're doing phase three assessment through phase seven closure, all of the procedural steps. What's the worst part? And that usually is us standing on the beach right before sunrise. What is the worst part? What's an image that represents that? The person draws it in the sand. Okay, so let's tease out some emotions. We bring out the emotion words. We find where they're located in the body. Where's that physical location? And then we, you know, of course, tease out the negative cognition and the positive cognition. And then I'll have to measure the sud just like kinesthetically through movement because that's a big part of the polyvagal theory. Digging in the sand. Yeah, And then this is where the good stuff happens. We have, I have them hold the target and the negative cognition. 
And let's walk that through. A huge part of polyvagal theory is Mm -hmm. co-regulation, being with the client. We are barefoot walking through the shore and that's the bilateral stimulation. And I say, when we, when we, when we say pause, we just stop, look out into the water for the dual awareness, that integration of nature. Just tell me the little headline and what's coming up. Okay. Let's walk that through. And then we, we continue. And then I check the sud, you know, as we do um, through phases, you know, phase four, especially till that sud is down to zero or ecologically valid. And then when we finally get to the positive cognition, whatever it may be in the sud's lower and we're installing it and we're walking slow and they write their positive cognition and send, they update the image over that wow. adaptive shift. I don't know if I'm allowed to say a curse word on here, but they write sure. where. <laughs> so like they may like put like an updated image to be like, I am a badass. Yeah, so, there you go. So notice <laughs> one to seven, how true is I'm a badass? All right. Ooh. All right, mm. let's tap that in. And then we yeah. go together. And I got this from a video I seen at the beginning of COVID from Roy Kiesling. All these people are like so brilliant with their ideas. And if you piece them all together, you get something yeah. amazing. Together, we tap it through that co-regulation. Let's just tap that in. I Mm. am a badass. And then the phase seven is incredible. We like build a sandcastle or something. (laughs) 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 We breathe. And I have, and I don't like using big globalization words like never or always, but I have literally never seen that sud not drop to a zero on some yeah. big targets. So the integration of nature is probably my most exciting one. Now you do need to take some extra precautions, like as far as confidentiality, um, there's a nature-based, I call it nature-based play therapy consent form. Um, but with the adults mainly is what, you know, I just kind of use the same wording. Mm-hmm. And then we just kind of, you know, you may see other people out and about, and that's one of the um, potentials with this. And they're aware. And another piece of the polyvagal theory is cues of safety and cues of danger. So if that's a cue of danger, like I had a teenager one time, we went to the park and she's like, I can't, what if my friends see me? That was a cue of danger for her. That told me that this isn't the right approach for her. That felt so activating for her that we didn't need to go out in nature because that the benefits of that were way um, less. She wouldn't have been able to lean in with the vulnerability that it takes to really get the good reprocessing done. That's my nature-based integration piece that I love. I, I literally could see my face getting red talking. About it. Yeah, no, it's, Your energy it's about it is yeah. very contagious and just, it feels so exciting. And I think the piece I love the most in this is we oftentimes think standard protocol of EMDR has to look like sitting in an office, sitting in a chair with a device of some sort, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, hand movements, whatever that is, and is following a script and is going back and forth and to be able to say it can be done to fidelity and it can be done authentic and true to Mm -hmm. the system and really be able to reconsolidate memories but we could be on a beach digging in sand building sand castles walking yeah like no one would even guess that's what that is and it's so beautiful to take your the depth of your understanding of what does it really mean to reprocess or install yes. resourcing and say, I can take those same concepts, but it doesn't have to look the exact way that maybe we saw in training videos in our basic training. Yes. Yeah. And what's really cool, too, is that... Um, like it, when when people hear this, they have their own life going on. They're probably thinking of a gazillion things that we couldn't even think of. Their yeah. creativity starts sparking. It's like, yeah. wow, I could do that and I could do this and that. I think this is my thoughts. If it meets the goals mm-hmm. of the injury definition, if phase one says, hey, we need to assess to see if this is good timing for therapy. We need to look for secondary gain. We need to get out potential targets, potential resources. We need to look at the um, client's uh, capacity to manage ethic. If we can meet all those mm-hmm. and we're doing that, whatever way it looks like, That's then beautiful. in the symptoms reduce, then we're doing EMDR, whether, gosh, I've done EMDR underneath it. I've done EMDR on the back of a minivan with a kid that didn't want to get out of the car. Yeah. 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 That is beautiful. <laughs> yes, I, I love 
making that connection of if we're meeting the goals, it doesn't actually matter how we're doing it. Yeah. It is EMDR. We can get as creative and free with that because humans are not standardized. And so a standardized approach just isn't going to fit everybody, but we can change it. That's beautiful. And I imagine that comes in so handy with kids because <laughs> having worked with kids a lot myself, it's like, there's no way I'm going to get them to sit down and walk through some of these scripts that we've got. So I, I talked to one of my client's moms and I have the permission to share with you about a case. If, if oh, um, about how the polyvagal, definitely with children, but across the board, but um, one, another piece, polyvagal does present in the beginning as complex, but I'm here to say that it is digestible, it is actionable, and just kind of listen to the um, uh, the books, just be hungry for the information yeah. and piece it in. This little boy had um, heart surgery at a very young age, and just today, the kid that I seen during the break of my training um, is going back for a um, another doctor's visit, and he gets so activated that you know the um, what polyvagal theory tells us is why we get a dry mouth when we start and get to get in that sympathetic state, or why we may um, vomit is mm-hmm. our body's trying to conserve our metabolic um, energy. And so it's just trying to expel whatever it has, even in dorsal vagal, we may urinate, we may defecate. Um, So we can use some of these, these things, um, these techniques like the lemon wedge um, uh, visualization to kind of um, moisten up the mouth with saliva and um, be able to kind of pull that digestive system back online. Mm -hmm. Well, anyway, with this little boy, familiarity familiarity and predictability, big piece, big, almost like pillars of the polyvagal theory yeah. um, and safety and connection. Mm-hmm. So number one, first session with this little guy, mom comes in. Now, before the polyvagal theory was, I was like, you know, cause I was a teacher and I have prior in my adaptive information, parent be, being there makes kid not as vulnerable. There mm-hmm. sometimes it's like a learned helplessness mm-hmm. in the therapy space. We don't I, that limits us. So mom came in and they had this connection. They both had on Luigi hats. Oh. <laughs> beautiful. And the kid took off the Luigi hat when he felt safe. Oh. So now how mom, and this is the polyvagal theory kind of infused in his therapy. Mom is there. She's a sense of safety and connection. Mom has the mask the, for the predictability, she has the mask from um, the, the doctor. She got one from um, the hospital that we use as the target. It's like, instead of an image, we have the actual mask. She holds the mask up and drops a piece of candy. So this kid is so familiar with the mask. He's played with it. He's pretended today she brought in pictures. I had her kind of Google what the room would look like and everything. Yeah. That's, that's how we set up the target moms there. Wow. Another use of the polyvagal theory in this kid's session. And he calls me the place to go. Um, or Miss Jackie, I go to Miss Jackie because she's a place to go where I don't get nervous about going to the hospital anymore. But she, she does the BLS. So mm-hmm. I notice a lot of times with medical trauma, people, uh, our nervous systems don't feel safe. Like don't yes. feel safe in our human, just, just our felt sense, but he does with mom. So mom like follows him around the playroom and we incorporated brother in there because brother oh, is a wow. resource. Br- brother is a glimmer. Brother is amazing. All of them are amazing. And then I, I do this like with mom when it's time for the BLS, I'll go like that. And then mom just taps in and then I'm like, and then she stops. So he feels safe before the polyvagal theory knowledge. I probably wouldn't have had mom in there. Mm -hmm. I probably would have either skipped on the BLS if he couldn't tolerate any of the creative means, or probably would have had a dual awareness speaker system where I wasn't able to go fast and go slow and pause and everything and like a last ditch effort. But instead I have the loving hands of his beautiful mother Mm -hmm. doing the bilateral, that co-regulation Another big piece of polyvagal theory is the neuroception, mm-hmm. feeling safe. He has mom in there. He has brother in there. Today on the way to the hospital, he had dog in the car and yeah. then he's introducing me to the dog. And then there's that relationship piece like daddy or um, daddy's has met Jackie. The dog's met Jackie, my family. So he feels that neuroception. Of yeah. safe. 
Well, yeah, the level of kind of awareness and how you're able to articulate that, I think is so telling of some of the benefits of PBT, even in an already robust protocol like EMDR, we can add even more kind of understanding, insight, awareness, you know, context to really what we're looking at with uh, somebody healing from uh, something that is very overwhelming and can affect a person in a very, very specific way. Um, so I love just hearing some of the specificity that you're able to use. Yeah, we, we say in a, a, a training that we do that it incorporates polyvagal theory attachment and AIP altogether of just when we're able to look at a case with these lenses, we can do EMDR with such greater purpose and intention and awareness of what we're doing and why we're doing it. You can just understand it so much more clearly where it's not like we're just trusting it. Hopefully something will magically work. We can do it with so much greater intention. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you can actually kind of work on the areas that need to be worked on. Yeah. Think about being with that. That's mm -hmm. me. You know, we have the co-regulation, the neuroception, and then the hierarchy of the different mm -hmm. states. If I were to really, truly just have to narrow it down to one word, it would be with. Yeah. And I read Dr. Siegel's my, um, Mindful Therapist book, which yeah. I had to get consultation because Bill Brislin is like an amazing consultant. He was, uh, this is my mm -hmm. certification process. And I was working with a client at that time that had like a car accident and he had like a, um, in the processing, I could taste the fuel in my mouth. I was like, mm. Bill, what do I do? This is so, you know, I'm using these techniques from this book, but this is a little too much. And he's like, um, okay, Jackie, Jackie, you like that on Star Trek, the empath that's just shut down. Yeah. For <laughs> but if you pull you pull back you can actually be with the client so much to where you don't get shut down but sometimes that may mean that you have like a tear in your eye that yeah. may mean that as they're talking and one of my big uh, just influenced by Lisa Dion the creator of synergetic play therapy mm -hmm. um she has like this way of doing play therapy that is so interconnected so it's like as the they're building up the blocks it's like oh it's getting taller it's getting taller it's gonna fall it's gonna fall so I kind of integrate that into the mm -hmm. part of the polyvagal like oh as you were telling me that I like literally felt a, a like a in my heart, a heaviness, mm -hmm. and I can hear my voice starts to change because intonation of voice is a big part yeah. of polyvagal theory. I hear, or I could feel a little bit of like tears kind of welling up behind my eyes. I'm wondering what you're noticing in your body, or mm -hmm. even just saying it like that is that with that co regulation, I am with you. Mm -hmm. Safety and connected. Absolutely. Yeah. And it also just to me has so much. Um, so much context to give to where the client can actually start to not just become aware of their own body, but through that neuroceptive process and mentalizing, be able to become aware of what is happening in you. And that makes that invitation into co-regulation so much more um, just intentional rather than here's what I'm feeling in my body. What are you feeling in yours? <laughs> um, you yeah. know, it's very connected all the way through, even in some of the language and some of the tone of voice you're using, like you were kind of adding a lot of that specificity um, all of those neuroceptive cues of safety. Beautiful. Yes. I even hear it in y'all's podcast. Like yeah. I told you before we started recording that, I, I don't know if fangirl would be the right word, but you're very influential in our, and our community here in the local, um, area and we feel like we know you so we call you guys by first name it's like hey did you listen to melissa's episode yeah. you need to listen to that one with melissa hey did you listen to that one where bridger was talking about the polyvagal about yeah. yeah okay did you know jen is going for like um she's going for like the somatic psychology degree somewhere yeah. on the <laughs> it's like you have like this feeling of connection which i mean as in therapy, we have this intimate, like we're together, but it can mm. even happen on like us recording these yeah. um, guided imageries for our clients. Mm. It could happen on, okay, I'm going to give you this book to take home, or I'm going to give you the, these notes that I took, take this home. We can be with our clients, even when we're not with them, we could be with them years after that our therapy has ended. That's yeah. the connection 
the power of just a really strong relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that PBT did for me that I so just admire, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Bonnie Badenoch. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, absolutely. So she has uh, spoken many different places at this point, but about the power of internalization of co-regulation. And I think that is just so powerful when we actually start talking about resourcing and what actually, when you talk about being with, um, what we really mean by that, not just now, but in perpetuity, once you've met me and we've had the experience of seeing and and encountering one another, you take Mm -hmm. me with you wherever you go, just as I take you with me wherever I go. Oh, that's so good. God, that, that I am experiencing that just even thinking about what, what that would feel like as somebody yeah. that hasn't had the with experience, maybe in the early years of life, they experience yeah. neglect or something. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I um, I love literally, I say, I, I have said literally like 50 times today. That's my favorite <laughs> word. <laughs> Marshall Lyles, he's an injury approved consultant in, um, in Austin, Texas. This man is incredible. He's also a sand trade therapist. He's actually Bonnie's um, friend. He was talking yeah. about her two days ago. So when we do courses, we talk to each other and get ideas from each That's other. So cool. Yeah. I was trying to like body scan, for example, I was like, Marshall, I had this idea of, you know, I, I really want to have the body scan be polyvagal theory style, kind of game, yeah. game style, but polyvagal style, you know, like yeah. I want it to be like authentic. And my, one of my consultees like, Jackie, you have the sympathetic state right there. Deb McManus, she's brilliant. She's an animal assisted mm-hmm. therapist. She's like, you have the sympathetic state all day long right there in this body scan. But what about the dorsal state? Mm-hmm. What about the disconnected, that shut down, that numb state? And I was like, Deb, that's right. I don't have that. Mm-hmm. You know what I don't have? I don't have ventral. I only have like when people are activated. So mm-hmm. I, you know, that's in part, part of my course is where the body scan, another kind of practical um, polyvagal theory application in the EMDR is mm-hmm. having the body scan, not just kind of say, you know, you're activated or that so we have this bi-directional, we have a nervous system. We don't have just a brain and a body. We yeah. have this whole nervous system where there's this communication happening so fast. And it just, yeah. uh, the web of connections that wrap around our uh, internal organs. So um, Marshall was, uh, I was telling Marshall and he brought up Bonnie's name. I'm like going really long way around this story, but he brought up <laughs> Bonnie's name talking about like, I was like, Marshall, I want to do what you do. You're not mm-hmm. just a teacher. You, when you teach, I feel felt. When you tell a story, I think of that story like mm-hmm. a month later, it is in me. And he's like, I learned that uh, partially from Bonnie. She yeah. has kind of rocking, I think, bilateral left hemisphere is the information. Then you slide into the experience that connectivity with the right hemisphere. Yeah. Uh, what does that look like? That kind of looks mm-hmm. like BLS, right? Right mm-hmm. there, right there. Mm-hmm some brilliant people in this EMDR community, I tell you. Yeah, and just in psychotherapy as a whole, I think that's one of my favorite parts about practicing in this way where we're not just uh, focused on this kind of tribalistic, this is what type of therapist I am and I'm only doing this, but we're creating a posture of humility across these various disciplines that have been, you know, writing and practicing for so long that we can then, as Jen said earlier, put these lenses on over top each other as if, you know kind of layers of transparency by which then we can see so much more than we ever could with one lens even if we committed all of our therapy to that one lens there's just no way that we could see what we could with all the others stacked on top of each other oh that's that's so true that's why i think it's important to kind of go out of our comfort zone like um, I have to say, becoming an Andrew proof consultant has, I, I think I'm getting more from my consultees than they're getting from me. So <laughs> These people are like IFS trained or they're DBT trained or, yeah. or they may be like a sex therapist and all of these areas. I'm like, whoa, that's an interesting perspective. And mm. once you hear that, you can't unhear it. Yes. And it's amazing. It's all those yeah. different layers. It makes you a better consultant, better that's therapist. Right. One, better- of the, one of the things I wanted to ask you um, just after hearing some of the experiential work that you're doing and the, with the consultation work that I do, this is a question that I feel a lot. And so I'd be very excited to hear what you'd have to say, but 
with this spontaneity in the therapy room or in the environment that you're doing that type of work, what has been your kind of experience of learning to just trust your intuition and your spontaneity? Um, okay. So the, you know, some of the best learning experiences comes through struggle, right? Mm. So I've made a lot of mistakes <laughs> and with, with my trainees, like I like showed them the videos where I'm like, you see right there, I'm a cognitive interweave that slowed the client down. I needed to not say that right then. Um, or like the spontaneity of being with a three-year-old, you can be kind of as rigid as you want. And that three-year-old isn't gonna, yeah. so having that, um, being a play therapist has helped me grow far beyond what I even thought it could be. Having a child in the playroom that I remember coming back after my training and thinking, okay, I got my manual, I got my buzzers and the the five-year-old sitting there and they're off. They're not even on the couch anymore. So it's caused me to like um, kind of go back to that injury definition and the goals checklist. Like, how can I plug in my knowledge? Mm-hmm. Um, so that may be like the, the person's at the sand tray and the image is the sand tray. And right there, I need to pounce on it. And I need to um, say, that's the target. What's the worst part with the little ones? Mm-hmm. And I had the intro training with synergetic play therapy, help with the spontaneity really, really well. Sometimes you have to tease out the procedural steps yourself. So yeah, yeah. Like, you know, with the little guy right here, I'm not going to be able to say, Hey, what's the worst part of the thought of the doctor? Every time I ask a question, it's going to pull them up into his left hemisphere and their brains aren't even fully developed. Right. So I said, Oh, I'm so connected. Right. So even like, as they move, I'll match my body uh, movements to them. I, I love Ariel Swartz and um, uh, Belmar, Barb Melberger's book, The Somatic Psychology, is so good because they give you permission to have that movement in there, which is a big part of polyvagal theory, the yeah. movement. But you may need to, like, as a therapist, you may need to identify the procedural parts yourself. Like, they may be at the little kitchen set screaming at the stuffed animals to eat their meals. Like, the worst part is they're not doing what you need them to do. Oh, it seems like I'm not in control. Fits that I'm feeling angry. I got to feel that my face and I feel my chest. And then I do the whisper technique. Is it all right if I tap? I love that. Establish that you need this safety, that permission. And then we'll go all the way through phase four, which can happen super quick with kids. Yeah. Speaking of the, you know, you talked about just the the auditory kind of importance of paying attention through a polyvagal lens um, and you're stimulating, you're matching that resonance in them energetically and then mismatching it with that whisper um, of the, you know, can I, is it okay if I tap? Or one of the things that I'll do is I'll just say, can I see the question? Or can I, you know, you know, can, can I share something with you? And I'll whisper that after matching their intensity there and it brings their focus in even of some of the most um, dysregulated or easily uh, dysregulated clients um, as just these little nervous systems that are just filled with so much energy when we can match it and then come in with that mismatched whisper that's so warmly intended through the relationship that we have with them I I just think that's so beautiful I love that and the the way you describe how connected you are in that where you in your own system are like Uh, regulating with them you're joining them in that big 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 and then come back in and now we have the bilateral and we can co-experience kind of the the coming down in this connected way in that co-regulation is absolutely incredible it wasn't always there so that before and after you know when that started with uh, Lisa Dion's aggression and play therapy book. Okay. So this, these kids have, you know, they've experienced trauma. So in the session, I'm at the sand tray and a handful of sand gets thrown in. And then here oh, I am. Yeah. I'm super dysregulated in my mind. <laughs> I mean, the human experience, I'm like, yeah. I'm going to call mommy. I had it all. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then I thought, okay, I need to pull it back together. I'm dysregulated. I said, Oh, I got sand in my eye. Ah! And then I tried to wipe it off. And I was like, really just trying to kind of be with it. So I talked to Lisa and I, I had read the book, but I didn't, didn't quite put it in the application. That could have been a target right there. Yeah. That could have been like, oh, I got sand in my eye. The worst part is I 
I would feel like I can't trust. We were playing together one moment, and next thing you know, I'm like hurting. I'm feeling confused. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling disconnected. I feel like crying, and I can hear a difference in my voice. It's feeling really big. It's feeling yeah. really big. I want to think I can trust, but it doesn't feel really true right now. Yeah. I slid right through all those steps. Yeah. So interestingly enough, I talked to mom afterwards and I was like, uh, she's like, I'm glad you could get in and session, uh, get a session with them. I was like, yeah, me too. I'm still have the dysregulation going on. She's like, do you know somebody, somebody threw sand in his face at preschool? I was like, oh, oh wow. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah he told me with his play yeah that's, the beauty. Me, yeah that's such a big honor like we are in this space an adult may say in their narrative through their left hemisphere their language yeah. the kid says through their play when it's all activated like that then and i'm connected we can really get that sud down it is yeah. like so powerful mm -hmm. so yeah. i wasn't always that connected but that's when you can really get some good work done. But I do have to say after those sessions, like I went through three adult sessions with paint on my face. I didn't even realize that's like, why didn't somebody tell me how like yeah. my hair is like all over the place. Uh -huh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm feeling very, very connected right now. Yeah. There's so many moments where I have a, I have my hair in a bun usually when I'm working and I have some kids that just want to crawl all over me. And by the end of it, it's like hanging down here and I'm trying to talk to the parents like, yeah, so we'll see each other next week. And like, I've got like, you know, like marks on me from them. And <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot. So <laughs> that's being with, I mean, I, right. I can't think of, an, if I were to picture you being with your client that crawling on you and your hair all yep. like that, <laughs> yep. that's weird. That, that's a dedicated therapist there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so, I mean, when, to me, one of the things that PBT really helped me see is it just brought a lot of language to yeah. what I've just felt my whole life in so many ways of just this energy that we clearly connect with without even having words between each other. Yes. And for me, working with kids, it, it's so palpable. Yeah. And that, that when we can bring a language to it, you know, the, the looks you'll get from kids when you put a, a word or you start to show them how to connect those words to the feelings that they're having. I mean, it's almost like that incredulous, like, what are you doing? Like, how are you talking this way? I have one little girl that will, like, when I say something back to her that matches that, she'll like grab her mom's hand and be like, he, what? Yeah, and it's just like so amazing to, to get, to that place just through reflecting what I'm feeling in me yes, and sharing that in the space and having them then feel so invited because we're whispering, you know, we're down at the table and we're just connected. It's like, it's its own universe. Yeah. That, that's what Dr. Siegel, I think, you know, if I were to kind of guess what he means by feel and felt. Yes, that's mm -hmm. right. You know, when you feel felt by somebody and you know, yeah. when somebody's just kind of BS and you're like, uh-huh, I understand. Yeah. And then, you know, when somebody's like, yeah. whoa, oh gosh. And yeah. just see, Deb Dana calls it vocal burst. Yeah. Just see the movement, the gestures, all of that. Like yeah. even you're, you're saying getting down um, and, and changing your voice, like uh, oh, yeah. the level of communication is so good. Yeah. Well, and I, and you're, making me spin up a little bit here, but like the, just the, the, you know, feeling felt that's where we connect with the, with Siegel's term of the Mui. Oh yes. Like when we feel felt with each other, we transcend the I and you, and yeah. we're now in a new third in the we, in the Mui. Yeah. 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 Gosh, that's, that's leaving me speechless because I haven't, heard that in a while I like definitely before my polyvagal theory knowledge I got to see him in Tampa Florida and he did his yes activity oh, that wow. literally left me in tears which I've done in school presentations now with parents and stuff yeah but we <laughs> I hadn't thought about that through the polyvagal kind of terminology that's that's it yeah. that's that interconnected we have yeah. the me the me and the we yeah. together and it's it's just that interconnectivity in this that's co-regulation right there yeah context choice connection you're in that space of being able to actually feel felt with yeah. and that's beautiful 
My my brain is still sticking on Virgil, what you were asking for that intuition yeah. and, and how to really lean into that. And I think yeah. polyvagal theory in the way in which you're talking, Jackie's about acknowledging we are a human nervous system in the room as well. As and a lot of times, yeah. yes, through our training of becoming therapists, I feel like we accidentally learn how to like leave ourselves out of the room and show up more as just therapist, mm-hmm. not full human therapist. And so in this, knowing like when we have intuition or instinct on something, it's our bodies telling us something about what's happening in the room, what's happening for them. Like it's communicating to us. Mm -hmm. And so when we enter into, you know, an extensive training process like EMDR, I Mm -hmm. see so many new therapists try to, um, the script and the protocol becomes their intuition and they they leave intuition and instinct aside. And it's part of the learning process. And I just did a group today where I said, as you're learning now, you're going to lean on the script, but our goal is that you learn it and you get familiar enough and you know it well enough that Mm -hmm. you come back into letting your intuition lead the session because your body is going to know and it's going to communicate and it's going to have such an influence where then we can lean back in on that of connecting with our clients from that place of instinct, not just from our cognitive knowledge yeah. of a process. Oh, that's so good. It makes me think about sometimes the people in the training is like, you didn't, you didn't do 45 or 35 passes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I'm Talk like, about a like, cue of danger. Like <laughs> when you start responding to me with, you didn't <laughs> like, it's yeah. just like, Oh yeah. Curiosity, oh, yeah. creativity, shutdown. Yeah. Yeah. Especially as a trainer. Cause it feels yeah. so vulnerable showing your mistakes. Yeah. But though, like um, that intuition is so important. I like to use metaphors um, to kind of write at home, but the intuition is something that comes with experience and practice and being attuned. I think though, even like that BLS um, piece, like I didn't always know when to stop, but really being attuned to your clients, noticing a little, I had some brain spotting training too, that gave me a little heightened depthness yeah. of little train, um, little, little, the shifts and stuff. But think of like, if you make brownies, it says stir it for two minutes. I don't start for two minutes. Sometimes I start for one minute. I look to see if there's any big lumps and I yeah. may taste of it. Be like, is it, you know, it's got the egg in there. Who cares? But <laughs> you just kind of do it until you know you're ready. That's kind of like how this is like, yeah. Hey, there's the target. It's right there. They're right at the point, a little adaptive shift. I, I'm a consultant for uh, Dr. Andrew Dobo's um, basic training. I get to work with some of his consultees and he teaches us to really be, um, be mindful of when that adaptive shift occurs. It may be mm-hmm. like they open their eyes. They may be like, yeah, or, like a, <clears throat> or a, uh, something like that. And then he does the somatic bridge, which is yeah. super cool. All of yeah, that. We, we talk about those as just autonomic shifts. When you can pay attention to that shift, just a moment, you can really start to then cue into a, and attune to that and help the client integrate from a whole brain kind of perspective. Which is polyvi- polyvagal all day long. Yeah, that's right. the, we have all these connections in our face. That's just right. a little, oh, I remember one teenager, she's like, what's that look for? I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what just happened? And if I had it on video, I would be able to see it. But yeah. we're tuned to them. A lot of times they're tuned to us or looking for cues of danger. Like is, I've just shared something very vulnerable with this Absolutely. therapist. Are they going to judge me? Are they going to shame yeah. me? Yeah. And we use a just concept of strategy, um, you know, talking about symptoms is not so much what we focus on. We talk a lot about strategy. So behavioral strategies that, you know, even in the telling of of a experience in therapy, their strategy being employed to get that message across, but to also garner enough safety to still feel like I'm, you know, I'm exposed, but I'm also safe enough that if they judge me, I can just like close the wall back up and I can just go back into my place. But with PVT, to me, you just get so much um, like just microscopic insight (laughs) about what really makes a invitation feel safe to the person to really share it and to really kind of just connect their somatic experience of that trauma, whatever it was. So it's not just this left brain articulation or this, you know, here's the story of it that I'm completely disconnected from the affect of. 
Yeah. But here's actually how I felt and what, what it was actually like. Yeah. And I think even, I mean, to describe kind of what I'm experiencing from you, even um, as you're speaking, I'm noticing you're leaning in and I'm having like this temptation to lean in communication, almost like this is something really important. That's, Mm -hmm. that's the stuff our clients pick up on. Yeah, absolutely. When we were talking about the, the spontaneity and the intuition, there was a, um, uh, like a spiritual director that I followed for a few years, um, years ago that had this concept of transcend and include, Yeah. which I really love that idea from this rigidity that we need when we're learning, you know, mm-hmm. we need to know the right way. The goal is not to then live in the rigidity, but yeah. it's to transcend and include what was learned. Good. Yeah. I, I love that. That just kept coming to mind as you were talking. Oh man, I'm going to have to wrap my mind around that. I think about, gosh, I float back to my days in the basic training. Felt like I was trying to take a sip of water, like a drink from a fire hose. Yeah. I didn't even have the rigidity. I was like, man, I forgot about negative cognitions for like the first month. (laughs) (laughs) EMDR is so forgiving, but that rigidity kind of is necessary, but you give yourself permission to transcend and. Yeah. And then include that. Yeah. What you left. That's so good. That's, that's why connecting with the community, like having these um, EMDR no fee study groups, why listening to these podcasts, why um, getting together, maybe getting your own EMDR therapy, um, it can be so powerful to help with that transcendent yeah. and inclusion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This has been so great. Like yeah. you are so dynamic and it's like truly felt fun. Like this feels like playing, just getting to sit here and mm-hmm. connect and ask you questions. Uh, we would love to have you anytime that you want to join us. Yeah, you want to stop in? Yeah, I do want to, because you brought up couples just there, I do want to just, um, I know it's a bit of a shift from talking about kids and, and play therapy in a way. I think there's also, they're humans just as they were. They were also once young people. So <laughs> when yeah. we're talking about how to work with kids, you know, um, the therapists that I work with that have such a hard, like visceral reaction to like, Oh no, I don't work with kids because yeah. whatever they might say or whatever. I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like you, you were a kids kid. And you <laughs> yeah. work with kids. What does Caleb say? Children with adult masks. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, all <laughs> yeah, yeah. adults are just, yeah. What he says, adults are just children with adult masks on. So, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't really make a difference. There's a different way of connecting, but when you're in the room with a couple, yeah. What are some of the things that you find yourself thinking about kind of pre and post PBT um, and, and how you see all those kind of things yeah. coming into play? Two main things. And this is what came out with Marshall Nye's conversation, Marshall Lyles, safety and connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Porges um, like has this phrase, like we all want to feel safe in the arms of others. Yeah. Just to normalize it, relationships are hard. Child-parent relationships can be hard. Um, Intimate relationships can be hard. Peer relationships, work relationships. When somebody finally makes it to couples therapy, a lot of times they have one foot out the door. Not always. Um, Sometimes they have one foot in the door. And it's like, maybe you need to step back on this premium. (laughs) (laughs) The polyvagal theory, I think about safety and connection in Gottman method is what I'm trained in. And it's very much a... um, of an inclusive there's a left hemisphere and then we also can trace things i think it's the the couples counseling version of um the float back mm-hmm. Let, let's think of this trigger in float back in time to they don't actually say float back but it's a uh, um yeah tons of little interventions you do a really good assessment tells you what areas to focus on another time in your life outside of this relationship that you've yeah. experienced the same kind of thing and I'm like wow that's like a um that's like a target so how mm. do I do you know a safety and connection is PVT but I do the EMDR with not with every couple yeah. you the big piece is assess for safety and connection yeah. if it's not safe in that relationship some people come to me with such bad pain like failed adoptions they may have a child that completed suicide yeah. um, just really painful stuff that you know they need emdr they may not go to anybody else i yeah. love gtap gtap mm-hmm. that group traumatic event protocol if you can have safety and connection it can be such a beautiful healing thing yeah. but i do have to say 
one thing that I feel like um, has to be in place for the safety and connection is that it's not rushed. They can feel that. So I don't like the the two hours afterwards because I I feel my autonomic nervous system gets strained um, because a lot of times it brings up real big emotions, especially on these big targets. Um, We'll do the GTEP and I will carve out like the next two hours Mm -hmm. just to kind of chill and give them like um, some direction. Like after the session, I think it'd be helpful to go walk around in the park or maybe go walk on the beach, Um, something which polyvagal, that integration with nature. Let's do the the closure version, even though GTEP isn't the, you know, the eight phases. Let's kind of pull our autonomic nervous system back online through nature, connection and safety. And you know, what we talked about today here, let's kind of just sleep on it. And then tomorrow, after you've had a chance to rest, then maybe discuss some of the things that you reprocess so that it could have this kind of point of kind of completion. That's how I used it. And it's, it's been fascinating to see the healing in the couples. Yes. Can't do with every couple, especially yeah. I tried it a little bit with infidelity. That's like a landmine waiting mm-hmm. to happen. But with these shared experiences, that are painful that's where it it really shines yeah for for me when i'm working with couples i i love framing it from what our definition of of kind of successful trauma treatment really is which is that to get to the place where my mind and body both agree Mm -hmm. that i'm safe in connection yes my mind and body both agree that i'm safe in connection and when we can have that as our focus yeah Uh we just bring that that sense of invitation, if it feels safe enough to actually become human with each other Mm -hmm. in the space, not just the projected kind of ghosts (laughs) of the past that we're all just just haunted by in those those places. Um, So I love the language you're using when you're talking about- That's beautiful what you just described. The way that you described that, like uh, just come together, like on humanity, we we are in this space together. I think about in in COVID, you know, here we are all these cues of dangers at the beginning and we're meeting with people online. And um, this one lady, I had this like- um, for a while, it was my jam to do after bedtime sessions with the parents. I oh, that, there you go. <laughs> it was for a little bit, but I, you know, I met with these parents, and specifically, I would incorporate, um, like I did the mom with the little kid. I would incorporate the um, the spouse. I did it with two, uh, actually only two, where the the spouse would do the bilateral stimulation, um, and then in when I would say pause, you know, I'd say pause like that. It was all I would use as minimal amount of words. I learned that from Claire Mauer in um, Orlando that mm-hmm. the less we can talk, the better. It doesn't pull them into their thinking part of the brain. But I would cue the husband to stop, and then when he would stop, he would take his hands and put. Uh, like this on her solar plexus we were no longer stuck the we met the treatment goals very shortly after that that's another way that you can work with couples but on when one person has experienced trauma which certainly can and will impact the relationship absolutely yeah yeah my mind is just so filled with client stories that always happens when i'm when i'm sitting with with people and there was Shortly after I completed my basic PDT training, um, I was working with a couple that I'd been working before uh, I had started that training with. And um, I knew them before they got pregnant through their pregnancy and then after they, they had their, their first child. And to watch the transformation of the dynamic between them mm-hmm. as they brought this little girl into the world. Yeah. And to, to see something, I mean, I've never seen such a powerful autonomic, just kind of like re-templating yeah. of both like the husband and the wife and to mm-hmm. then be able to have the little girl come into session. And now we're all just like sitting on the floor together. You know, it's just what I love so much about this conversation is just the, just the awareness of, and the just yes. And to invitation of intuition and spontaneity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We are humans. <laughs> That's what makes therapy possible. Yeah. Is that we're together in this no matter what. And yes. if we can make that invitation feel safe enough to accept, I mm-hmm. think we can we can do just about anything. Oh my gosh, I love that. Like we're together. We're not some certainly not any like all-knowing God right. that's special about me. 
we're like this human experience. I'm with you sitting on the floor with your kid. And I knew you guys before you got pregnant. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. And to point it and to like, talk to the husband of like, you're holding, you're a big man and you're holding this little child, which that shows like so much of the problems that they'd had in their relationship was so just, you know, visually represented in the size differences between the two of them. And yet to watch him become so small and so Mm -hmm. sweet with this little baby girl. I mean, it was, it was the most powerful resource we could have ever installed (laughs) uh, for both the the husband and the wife. And and just to watch them come together in sheltering this little baby. So that, that, what you just described, I had an experience in my nervous system. Like I could feel literal yeah. warmth in my arms. Yeah. Um, I actually have saliva in my mouth. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe if that's. Salvatory response is just going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just a real kind of just a mellow, like, I, I, I don't want to like uh, limit it to words. Just mm-hmm. feels good. Yeah. That's the good stuff. That's therapy. Hey, can you guys come to Cocoa Beach for one of the beach sessions? Oh, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> you let me know. I will carve out my time and my schedule. I'll meet you there. Um, one of my cues of danger that I'm trying to not have is sometimes I show up just a couple minutes late and then I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm running behind schedule, <laughs> but I will make a point to be on time. Oh, yeah. We appreciate that. We would be very forgiving if you were. Yes, late. absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe we could put together some some additional videos and content for everybody. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be amazing. It is an open invitation. Anytime you guys want, I'll uh, I'll show you the good, the bad, and the ugly. Of, uh, there you go. <laughs> Jackie, thank you so much for your time on this. And we hope to be able to stay connected with you. Yeah. And I feel like there's so many areas of collaboration and in, in the way that you talk and we talk and the things yeah. that we do. So oh, we'll have to stay in you. touch. I did want to see if there was um, a way that you would like for the listeners to kind of get in touch with you or to, to hear about the work that you're doing and potentially uh, pursue any training opportunities you have. Oh my gosh. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to kind of chat out. Um, yeah. Okay. So my biggest, my biggest thing I got going on, which I'm not always the best at is this Facebook group. There's like, tw- at the time of this recording, there's 12,500 people in there. And so wow. I'm part- yeah, it's, it's all like child therapists and educators and stuff. So I try wow. to post everything in there. Um, but I do have an EMDR with kids page. That's a group. And then I have three websites. I have Jackie Flynn Consulting. That's my EMDR with kids jam. But I work with a lot of adults, really more adults than kids, but kids are one of my jams. And then playtherapycommunity.com have a membership site there where we have exclusive content to where we can kind of grow on a different level and network with each other around the world. And then I have Mm -hmm. a podcast, Play Therapy Community Podcast has been downloaded in like 52 countries and this podcast. And then I have my private practice, um, website counseling in Brevard. I'm actually full right now. I don't have any like space available, but um, that's, that's the best way to find me. I try to put my trainings on social media, try to keep up with my emails, but I'm, I'm currently searching for someone to help me with some admin support. That's yes. Yeah. We I feel need. that totally. <laughs> well, we will uh, find those links and put them in the show notes for all of you listening so that you can just kind of click and maybe find those Facebook pages, have easy access to that, those trainings. Um, this is such great content. I hope a lot of you listeners decide to check it out and get in touch with Jackie for more information. Oh my so. gosh. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, one more thing I forgot to mention yeah. is like, I have an application in for a practical EMDR application of the polyvagal theory. So at some point that's going to be alive. It's in the gestation period right now. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Jackie, we'll get you a link to this episode too. If you want to share what you've Mm -hmm. talked about with anybody as well, because this is such a good resource. So thank you again. Thank you again for joining us guys. Thanks for listening. And we'll, We hope that you have enjoyed this podcast episode and that it will help you help your clients in the process of EMDR therapy. If you are curious to learn more about something that you've heard today, 
check out our website at www.beyondhealingcenter.com and go to the trainings tab for more information on our upcoming EMDR and case conceptualization trainings. You can also contact us by emailing trainings at beyondhealingcenter.com. If you want to stay connected, please subscribe to this podcast for more episodes, leave us a review, and follow us on social media by searching Notice That Podcast. This podcast is a project of Beyond Healing Media, a media creation group committed to creativity, community, and embracing the beauty of being human. If you like this podcast, you might also like the other podcasts of Beyond Healing Media. Beyond Trauma is an educational podcast on the journey of trauma therapy and what it means to be humans who have been hurt but are learning to recover and grow, living the life we all want of safety and connection. The Burnout Educator is an interview-style podcast that invites stories from people across the spectrum of the educational system and seeks to see the human inside the role they play. It is our desire that you see parts of your story and those around you in the stories you hear. The Evidence-Based Therapist is an educational podcast where we read so you don't have to. On this podcast, we discuss seminal, recent, and relevant research on psychotherapeutics and the embodied relational sciences. How do we know what is evidence-based and how do we use it in our practice? You'll find out on the EBT podcast.